Hello, 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 and welcome to episode 171 of the Mo Money Podcast. I am your host, Jessica Morehouse. Welcome back to the show. Um, super pumped for this episode. I'm interviewing my pal, Amanda Abea. Um, I have known her for years through the kind of personal finance blogosphere, um, but we actually only met in person for the first time, I want to say, maybe about a year ago, and then we kind of reconnected at a um, kind of women in business uh, retreat that we all uh, went to with a a bunch of other people back in the spring. And uh, I just love chatting with her. She is so funny, but also so like positive and energetic. And she just, after talking to her, you just feel super pumped and you're like, yeah, let's do this. Um, And also after kind of getting to know her and her business a little bit more. Um, and you'll kind of find this out in the uh, episode. So she started out kind of in the personal finance blogging world and then um, shifted that to uh, kind of start her own business that's more focused on business coaching and sales coaching. Um, and I actually was in the, you know, looking for, um, uh, you know, someone to help me with my own sales um, as I am a financial counselor and uh, don't really have too much of a background in terms of uh, sales and selling and finding clients and all that kind of thing. And so um, I, I hired her and she helped me a ton. And right after, I'm like, oh my gosh, I need you on my show. We need to talk about um, all of the things, um, especially, especially the topic of earning and how one of my biggest issues that we kind of discovered in working together was that um, it's not so much that I was, you know, bad at selling or didn't know what I was doing. I had this weird money mindset that I... Um, felt guilty, basically, about trying to pitch myself or trying to sell my services. I felt icky about it. I didn't want to feel salesy. I didn't want to push anything on anybody. And because of that kind of mindset, I think it kind of, uh, well, I didn't make any sales, basically. So people didn't want to work with me probably because I was emitting this kind of, you know, uh, aura of whatever. So we kind of get into that. Uh, that's a big kind of focus of the topic is earning. So I know you're going to love it. I'm super excited for it. Um, but before I get to that interview uh, with Amanda, um, here's just a few words about this episode's sponsor. This episode of the Mo Money Podcast is supported by FabFitFun. Have you tried out one of FabFitFun subscription boxes? No? Well, what are you waiting for? In case you don't know, FabFitFun is a subscription box service that provides full-sized beauty, fashion, fitness, and lifestyle goodies for one low price. How low? Combined, all the products in their boxes are valued at $200, but you only pay $49.99. That means you could get a box of 8 to 10 full-sized products from brands like The Honest Company, Tarte Cosmetics, Kate Somerville, Free People, Summer and Rose, and more for less than $50. Not only that, shipping is free for most U.S. locations and just $8 for other locations like Canada. And because FabFitFun is awesome, they are offering $10 off to all Mo Money podcast listeners. Just use the promo code MONEY and get $10 off at checkout. To learn more or to get your first box, visit FabFitFun.com and use promo code MONEY. That's FabFitFun.com and promo code M-O-N-E-Y. Uh, thanks, Amanda, for joining me on the Mo Money podcast today. Thanks for having me. I'm so psyched. I'm excited too. Um, it was so nice getting to know you in person this uh, 
spring, I guess it was, um, for the event that we went to called Statement. But then it was also nice to, I was on your show and that I hired you because you're so good at sales after the podcast interview. <laughs> you somehow, I somehow like gave you my money. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'll hire you. I'm like, damn, she's good. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It took a while to get there, but thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's a good skill to have. And it comes up in like lots of different life situations. So we'll definitely talk about that. But uh, before we kind of get, get into some kind of business talk entrepreneurship, which I, I, I think is so great because... It's a really, I'm excited to talk to you about that specifically because you came from the personal finance blogging world and then kind of made this shift into business and sales, which not a lot of people I know have done really like a couple, but not too, too many, um, probably because it's not easy. Um, but before that, like you, I remember, uh, we were chatting before and you said that when your, your first kind of, uh, jobs was in recruiting, which probably seems helpful to what you're doing now, I guess. Yeah, so what's really interesting was, um, long story short, graduated 2010, couldn't find a job. Great time to find a job, 2010. Man, I mean, so many so of so us were like, yeah. I mean, people yep. were just throwing dollar bills at you everywhere in 2010, <laughs> right? Um, so you'd walk down the street and they'd throw money at you. I know. If only, like, sometimes I wish, I'm like, I wonder how things would be different if I graduated in, like, 2005. You know, because when I was in university, I, I started university, I think, in 2004. And I remember hearing like graduates be like, oh, yeah, I got a job right out of school and I'm making crazy money and I've got a pension and all this. I'm like, wow, I can't wait to graduate. And I graduated in 2009. I'm like, wait, oh. you guys get pensions? <laughs> yeah. Well, not, not that many people do anymore. Okay. Like basically, <laughs> if you work government or like a really big company, maybe, but in general, they don't exist. They're kind of okay. unicorns now. Yeah. No, it's not like a Canada thing. Believe me, they're, they're pretty much dinosaurs right now. <laughs> Um, so I went about six months without being able to find any sort of job whatsoever mm -hmm. about a year before I got that recruiting job, mm -hmm. um, which I'll get to. But in that year, I was like, I don't know, I make a joke that I got my quarter life crisis early because I was like barely 22. Mm -hmm. um, and I was freaking out. I was having panic attacks because I'm like, no one's telling me what to do. Yeah. One. And Number two, I did all the stuff I've been told to do up until now, and I'm still screwed. So what is going on here? Why do we all have the same story? And why, like, what the hell? Like, I'm so, like, that's literally exactly my story. And I, it's just so frustrating because it's like, we're all smart, capable people. We got degrees like we were supposed to, you know, we studied in school, got good grades and, and then like, what the then yeah, then we're well, screwed. I didn't get good grades, but I well, passed. okay, well you know, like passed. You got a degree, I was so you like, passed. I just need to do what I need to do to get out of here. Yeah, and then I'm <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it actually doesn't even freaking matter to get good grades. Like that's the annoying thing too. Like I realized that like halfway through university, I'm like oh, it actually doesn't matter. No one yeah, has ever that. asked me about my grades. Yeah. And I, that's something I noticed when I worked in recruiting. So recruiting was a real eye opener for, mm. for me in terms of what matters and what doesn't. Um, I'll get to that. But mm -hmm. basically a friend during that time. And when we were in New York, a copy of that book was sitting on the coffee table. What book was right? it? It was called The Art of Nonconformity by Chris oh, yeah. Bilobo. Mm -hmm. So he handed me that book because he saw I was freaking out. And he's like, hey, I think you're going to like this book, right? Mm -hmm. I loved it. I didn't give it back for like four <laughs> years. But basically, it was like, hey, you know, you could kind of do whatever you want. <laughs> you know, you yeah. can make money on your own. You don't have to do things the way people have told you to do it. And I'm like, why is this the first time I'm ever hearing this? Mm-hmm. 
right? And thank God I found it at 22. I mean, I've had clients in their 50s and it's the first time they're ever hearing it, you know? Um, So I Googled how to make money writing because I couldn't just sit there doing nothing with my life. Mm -hmm. Um, As fun as it is to like go through job boards that no one's hiring (laughs) and just hear nothing. I mean, I was having a ball, but I mean, I had to do something, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I Googled how to write for money because I was like, well, I can write. You know, I did journalism in high school. I've always wanted to be a writer. I studied English literature, even though I didn't want to do anything having to do with English literature. It's just my yeah. college didn't have journalism, so I had to figure something out, right? Mm-hmm. It was like the closest thing I could yeah. find. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm getting a degree in this. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's kind of how that happened. Um, so I did that, and then one of my clients at the time my I do air quotes because it was like a, a content farm. I don't even know if those exist anymore. Ugh. But basically, you what just like crank it. it was you'd like crank out a bunch of articles for a big website, um, and then you'd get paid for either ad revenue or they'd pay you like ten bucks an article. There was a time when those things were the jam, and people would use them to make like passive income. And I got a little taste of that, but then they shut it down because Google was like, "We hate you, people." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, so they basically had these articles open, um, or assignments that were open for purse finance. And I thought to myself, I was like, Hmm, I don't know anything about money. Money scares me because money's math. Now I know it's not. Right? I know. Not- right. <laughs> that was a big right? eye opener. <laughs> but at the time I thought, Oh, money's math. I suck at math. I don't do math. Math mm-hmm. and I don't get along. I'm the creative kid. But if I'm getting paid to go learn about money, yeah. then I might do it, right? Yeah. So at the time, you know, I went from making $0 to making like 10 bucks an article, right? And then I would have to go research. But to me, that was like massive. That was huge. And I have this story about like the first month I got $5 because they'd give you like a sign-up bonus. Best five bucks I've ever made. <laughs> because it was at that moment that I realized, oh, you could probably do something on your own. So mm-hmm. I started a blog to like hold myself accountable. I was just figuring out adulthood. I hadn't really honed in on the personal finance stuff yet. I was still doing a lot of career stuff. Mm-hmm. I still thought I was going to end up at a regular job and if anything, just make money off the side. So I did get a job. I was a recruiter. I worked for a company that was the middleman between job candidates and Fortune 500 companies. This was the beginning of 2011. Still not really a good time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So my boss and I, my boss ended up being sort of like a a business mentor to me in a lot of ways. And I remember her telling me one time, we're on the front lines Mm -hmm. of this economic crisis because we're hearing it from the candidates and we're hearing it from the companies. Um, After two years of hearing all the stories, I just was super drained. Um, And I'd also come to a lot of realizations. One, like you said, no one cares what grades you got in high school. Mm. Like no one ever asked any of the candidates. So like, what was your GPA? They don't care. Mm. Um, So there was that. Um, Number two, I realized there was no such thing as job security because I was interviewing people every day who'd been laid off. And they'd been laid off because the company was running out of money or there was a merger and then they decided everyone making above this salary is going to get fired, blah, blah, blah. And I also realized I was really underemployed, (laughs) 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 which is a lesson I learned later when I started learning more about sales and uh, negotiation, but I knew something was off. Um, And then on top of that, 
since I'd been blogging on the side the whole time, I was starting to see people in the personal finance space starting to quit their jobs Mm. around 2012, 2013. And I'm like, wait a minute, there's something going on online, right? And it's just that the rest of the world, like all these people that I'm interviewing and all these companies that I deal with every day, they haven't caught on yet. There's something going on over here though. I'm going to quit and I'm going to go see what this is about. Mm -hmm. So I hired my first business coach because I'm a very sort of like grounded, practical person. And I don't think anybody should quit unless you've got some money in the bank already Mm -hmm. um, or the means to do it. Right. And uh, she helped me sort of figure out my first very sort of like baby sales funnel. Um, And then within six months, I was able to quit. I actually tried to quit at four months and they wouldn't let me. So I went part-time and that was a horrible decision. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I lasted like another two months before I was like, I'm done. Uh, (laughs) I literally walked into the office after interviewing 10 candidates one day and I was like verbal diary. I was like, I'm out. I'm done. (laughs) It's over. Yeah. Um, And then three days later, I was on a plane to Portland, Oregon to go to World Domination Summit with the friend who had let me borrow Chris Guillebeau's book. Full circle. Full circle. Then that book was sitting on the coffee table in New York. That's so crazy. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? crazy. Isn't it crazy? Yeah. Uh, Like, you're on the right track. You're supposed to be here. Um, So then that was was five years ago, actually, officially in July. Um, and since then, you know, I, I launched my book, Make Money or Honey. And when I launched that book and I was interviewing my audience, I realized the, I still hadn't really owned the personal finance thing, mm. even though I was writing about money. Um, and I realized a lot of people were really stressed about money. They really wanted to do their own thing. So I was like, oh, okay, there's something here. So then suddenly all my content that I was putting out there was money, um, mm-hmm. which made sense because I was dealing with it of like, okay, I have variable income. I got to figure this out. I'm starting a business. I'm still living at home. I got nine months to figure out how to pay for my own health insurance because we have that issue in the yes. US. <laughs> yes, you do. Right? <laughs> um, I was like, you got nine months before you turn 26. You got to figure out how to pay for your own health insurance. That was basically mm-hmm. how how that went. Um, and so I really had to focus on personal finance. I was getting freelance writing gigs, um, started getting little influencer campaigns here and there that Mm -hmm. actually didn't really pick up until I got really good at sales and negotiating Mm -hmm. and marketing. And then maybe about two years ago, I was like, okay, I know how to manage money, but I'm still feeling kind of broke. Yeah. And that was like a big aha moment. And I was starting to get very frustrated because I realized there was always some sort of expense. Like, oh, you have to go to the eye doctor because you forgot that your prescription was expiring and you need new contacts. Or, you know, you have to go to like the regular doctor or you have to go get this thing taken care of or here's an expense that you weren't. um, But it's not like emergency expenses. It was just like regular life stuff, you know, that you just kind of forget about. And there's kind of no way to plan it. Like they'll tell you to put it in your calendar a year ahead of time. Who the hell actually does that? And then you forget anyway, Mm -hmm. right? So I made a realization and I was like, oh, there's always going to be something like you can't necessarily manage it or control it. So your only real solution right now is to just go learn how to make some serious money. Yeah. Um, So that's what I did. And I just kind of like dove myself um, into freelance writing at first. I actually Mm -hmm. cut out all the coaching that people were asking me to do and just Mm -hmm. double down on the freelancing, Mm -hmm. made good money that way. Um, and then started reinvesting some of that money. Once I started getting tired of that, 
started reinvesting because that reaches its limit, yeah. right? Started reinvesting some of that money to building systems and creating my own stuff. And I was taking constant trainings during this time. I was doing sales trainings, marketing trainings. I still do it now. I just took four courses in the last month. Yeah. Wow. Um, you know, because uh, I just like dive in and I do stuff and I was doing it the whole time. So what happened to me was I was trying to sell my own stuff at one point and then it was like coaching packages, but I, and I'd taken one, a couple sales trainings, right. But they were very like feminine oriented, which there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. Right. But it was like marketed toward women and I did everything they said to do and I got rejected 60 times in one month. Wow. Right. So I was like, okay, there's still something that's missing from this situation. And I felt kind of defeated. So that was one of the reasons I doubled down on the freelancing. Go to about a year ago and I start working with one of my mentors and I told her, listen, I need some systems in place uh, because this freelancing thing's not going to be forever. Like one good market correction and all this money is gone. Yeah. Like I got to figure out how to like really monetize my own audience yeah. that I've built over the years. Right. So I took her course, right. And I created my first offering, like real good offering, which was persuade to profit. And then we get to the sales portion of it. Right. And I'm here thinking I suck at sales because I got rejected 60 times in one month. And then mm. I go do it. And she's like, you're actually really good. Like you just needed mm. to make this one little tweak. And that was it. I would have handed you the credit card information. Mm. And I was like, oh, so it's kind of like that sort of boost of confidence um, that I needed. Yeah. And I realized that the only difference was um, because I'd never stopped taking trainings you know, I started following the Grant Cardones. I started following more like the male sales stuff. And then I learned how to marry like the masculine and the feminine way of doing sales. Mm -hmm. And then that's how I can get credit card information from someone I just interviewed for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you really did. I'm like, how? <laughs> um, so that's what I realized is I needed, number one, I was already good at it. It's just that um, the I was trying to follow like this one prescription that was like, catered toward women mm -hmm. right and it was just too passive and then when I would go to like the ones geared toward men it was like way too aggressive yeah right so I had to find a sort of like the middle way and then once I figured out that formula in the middle way and then I had my mentor kind of like boost mm -hmm. that confidence in me it's been nonstop since then I mean I launched persuade to profit and we did 10k in sales the first wow. time I launched it um just this last month we did almost 16,000 in wow. sales. Um, and, and it's all been a matter of like getting really, really good at selling, getting really good at owning my worth and getting really good at negotiating. And then mm -hmm. those skills transferred over into negotiating with brands. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Um, you mentioned that you invest, uh, reinvest into your business by doing lots of different trainings, hiring coaches and stuff. And I feel like, you know, for me, cause I, I, you know, listen to other people's podcasts and I'm interested in that kind of stuff. I get targeted quite a bit on Facebook. And so I'm, I'm very like aware of what's going on out there. And sometimes it just feels like everyone is a business coach, a sales coach, has some kind of course that can help you make money. My God, it seems like everyone can help you make money. How do you know what is actually decent and what isn't and what is a waste of money? Um, well, okay, let's use Grant Cardone as an example. So mm -hmm. I read two of his books, started applying everything right away, saw results within 48 hours mm -hmm. just from his books. Mm -hmm. So you're like, okay, this guy probably knows what he's doing. This guy probably knows his stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So then what do I do? He's having an event in Miami. 
I fork over the credit card. I'm like, you already helped me make money. So I'm just going right. to go to this event, right? I, I wasn't expecting the event to be great for sales, but I was expecting a deal on something else, like one of his courses or something like that, yeah. right? Lo and behold, I was right. He sold his whole playbook, which goes for like five grand online, yeah. right? So like the video, the audio, a year of mastermind calls, we got it for a thousand, Okay. right? I had already been eyeballing it, right? So yeah. I went right on over there and I bought it and I'm like, this thing will pay for itself in a week, right? Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what's happened. Um, I think part of what happens um, or, you know, I took another course on on high-end offerings. That one was recommended to me mm-hmm. by a colleague. Yeah. Uh, so normally when I do stuff, it's either because I've tested the stuff already and mm-hmm. I've seen some sort of results. So I just keep going because yeah. I know it works or it's been sort of recommended to me um, by someone else. And even if it's shitty, mm-hmm. right? Like I've done some that are shitty. Then the only thing that does for me is tell me like, okay, I can make millions because if this person's making money, I could seriously make some money. That's true. It's like if somehow you were convinced to buy this product and it's not a good product, then you, you could probably create something way, way better. <laughs> right, exactly. And then I remember going to one like that last year. I signed up for like a workshop and I thought it was a workshop to like go learn how to be a better speaker. Yeah. And since I'd been being approached by brands, I thought that was what it was going to be. That's not what it was, but I didn't leave because I'm like, well, I can learn right? Um, I always have that sort of like beginner's mind. I feel like a lot of people sort of like shut down already or feel like they got swindled and get super offended. And I'm like, no, there's still something here for me to learn. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. Right. So what I learned was um, based on the questions that the audience was asking this person on stage, I was like, I could go make millions. Right. Because those might be the same questions that people that you want to uh, you know, buy or hire you would uh-huh. have. Uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So that, that's what I started doing. And then once I just started focusing really on the sales and negotiating aspect of it, and it was also working smarter, not harder. Once I started selling programs that were worth two grand, mm-hmm. right. Minimum. Yeah. Right. Then it didn't make a whole lot of sense to like go spend like rounds of edits for like a few hundred bucks. Yeah. You know, yeah. So I was able to increase revenue by forty percent, and then I met a goal I had told a mentor, which was, I want freelance writing to become like the extra money, mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. want the real money to be coming from the trainings. And as of last month, I did that. So I did it actually prior to that. I just didn't notice because I hadn't gone into QuickBooks, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> to like look at it. And then last month, it was solidified. Like, oh okay, here's where the real money is coming from. Go focus your energy, Mm -hmm. effort, and money, right? Because you have to reinvest on the real money, not the, this got you from point A to point B money. Yeah, absolutely. You talked also a bit about the idea. This is something that came up a lot of the event we went to about um, creating something or, or really making your business recession proof, which is Something that's funny that I used to think about, um, but I never really had that terminology. Like recession proof, actually, that's a really great uh, way to say it. It's I think as freelancers or as self-employed small business owners, whatever you want to call us, we're always kind of afraid of something happening, like you know when it was two thousand nine, which is still kind of I think fresh in lots of our minds of like no one wants to spend any money, and we need to kind of you know diversify our business. So 
if something does like, you know, that happen again, which it will, we are prepared. So what were, I guess, some of those things that you, you did or, or how did you kind of um, create your business surrounding this idea? Like, I want to make sure that even if there's a recession, I, I can still earn a living. There was two things. Number one, it was building my influence. And number two, it was monetizing my own audience. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you're able to do, like, especially if you build the influence, you're going to be fine and there's going to be opportunities coming at you. So two or three years ago, people are like, okay, well, have you built your social media following? I hired people. Mm-hmm. right? I invested money. I started running ads. I started, you know, I remember going to an event once um, by a marketing agency and their job was to like, and it was local here in Miami and their job was to like hook up influencers with the brands. Yeah. And she said something I will never forget. And she said, these companies have marketing budgets. Why don't you? Oh yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I started seeing as, okay, I have a marketing budget. So mm-hmm. money started going into Instagram. Money started going into Twitter. Money started going into uh, Facebook ads, you know, and me like learning how to do it. This year I hired a PR person because I just couldn't do it. I didn't have the time to do it yeah. myself anymore. All these things have paid for themselves because the thing is, if no one knows who you are, no one's going to pay you. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. How do you know how much to invest in your business then? Oh God, no one ever knows the answer to this one. (laughs) I've gotten a lot more comfortable with risk. So, I mean, I'll just share the numbers because I'm super transparent. Like I'm looking at my business credit card bill for this month and it's like $9,000. Hey, oh, a lot of points, but but. (laughs) (laughs) that, that does include hiring a new business manager. So like the onboarding, it does include like four courses that I bought. It includes a live event that I went Mm -hmm. to. It includes some video work I had to get done. But the thing is, I'm no longer, first of all, it's already paid for with the revenue I have coming in this month. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, But the reason I'm able to sort of take risks like that is because I know I've built the influence, number one. So like, for example, that business manager already landed me a deal. Mm -hmm. It's only been two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I kind of look at it that way. Like I'm always looking at ROI. Like, is this person going to make my life easier or make me more money? Yeah. Right. And if the answer is yes, then I invest. And I think I've also changed my money mindset a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, to the point where I'm like, I can make whatever kind of money I want. You know, like mm-hmm. I just need to put a little extra elbow grease. I need to market a little bit more. I need to sell a little bit more. But I've built my influence and my sales chops are to a point where money's going to come in. And one of the heart, one of the reasons I had to move away a little bit from the pr- traditional personal finance, even though I still yeah. talk about it because I still think it's very important. Yeah. We need to know how to manage the money yeah. that we're making. But one of the r- things I could never, that I struggled with, so much was this idea of like hoarding and saving money. Right. Right. Yeah. That never helped me make more money. Right. The kind of scarcity mindset of, you know, living frugally and stop spending money on lattes and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, um, okay, that's good. Well, what, if, but- what if I like my green smoothies, right? Because I'm trying to like live healthy and like I don't have time because I'm running around today with like yeah. a campaign and an interview and sales calls and a mastermind call, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or exactly. what? Or what if I just don't want to live frugally? What if I like mm-hmm. living in an expensive city, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think I sort of, sort of shifted my mindset to one of um, what's possible. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes in the personal finance space, there's a lack of that. Yeah. Um, and then when I started doing more sales calls and started having more conversations, I started noticing my audience have a real issue with that too, 
right? Where they're like, oh no, I can't spend any money. I'm saving, 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 saving. Well, guess what? You're in the same position you were in two years ago. Meanwhile, I'm over here with a six-figure business. The only Mm -hmm. difference between you and me is I changed my mindset about money, right? And I threw down some money to go make some more money. So I sent an email to my list and I'm like, you know, you have to change your mindset from saving pennies or a few dollars to investing thousands of dollars so you can make tens of thousands of dollars, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And that was a massive eye opener for me in terms of where my energy should be going. Too much of my energy was focused on the managing and the saving. Mm -hmm. Not nearly enough of my energy was based on the earning. Do you think a lot of that is just that lots of people you know, they understand, okay, so I know, you know, when it comes to being good at money, it means saving, means not spending too much money and, you know, having low expenses, blah, blah, blah. But I I think, yeah, because I I mean, I think lots of us in the personal finance community like started that way so we can figure out a way to like manage our debt or just manage our money or we really weren't earning that much in our jobs. So we're trying to figure out how to make it work, right? That was me. I wasn't earning that much. So Mm -hmm. I had to learn how to make it work, right? Yeah, to make it work. You know? Hmm. And then, but then there is kind of a time where it's like you want more, and I, you know, that's a, that was my story as well. I wanted more, so I, 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 you know, now I work for myself. But I find it is very, yeah. There's there's a big shift or divide between uh, people that are just like, no, 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 all about couponing and living frugally, and then the people that are like, yeah, that's great and all, but also making money. And for me, it was something really difficult to get over the idea that it shouldn't feel like. Uh, you shouldn't feel bad about wanting to make more than you have. I think that's good. Um, obviously, if you're not like, you know, selling drugs are part of a gang or something, if you're doing mm-hmm. it legally and it's it's good. As long as it's ethical and legal, yeah. Exactly. And also, I think the idea of this hoarding money, because I used to call myself a money hoarder, I would just be absolutely terrified to spend any money. And I know a lot of that stems from from my family because, you know, we lived fairly frugally and it's, it's I have an good. Immigrant they made it work. Family. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, my parents are immigrants and, you know, my family came to the U S and started over with mm-hmm. nothing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Know, and everybody. I think a lot of us have some, some kind of fear of spending money, but do, do you think a part of that is just I, like, for me, it's like, I don't think you have a proper money management system. If you're afraid to spending the money that you're saving, right, Maybe you because- don't know how much you should be saving. Cause there's always a right. cap. It's like, do you have three to six or even nine months of your living expenses saved up for your emergency fund? Good. If you do, then you can, whatever else is coming in, you can save or rather you can spend in a different way. I think lots of people I forget think we're that also there's just not, you know, really good at like owning our desires or what it is that Mm -hmm. we want. Like it actually took me a long time to own the fact that I will spend money on things that make my life easier. I felt Mm -hmm. like that was somehow shameful or made me a bad person. Yeah. It's like, you should find a way to do it for free or cheaper. Always. Yeah. Like somehow there's some sort of like, uh, what's the word pride in that? And I'm like, but you just made your life way harder. Yep. You know? So when I started realizing I'm more concerned with like enjoying the one life I have to live than Mm -hmm. I am with making it more difficult. Right. Mm -hmm. That's been a really good litmus test um, for me too. Of course, there's a balance to this, right? You also have the other side of the spectrum, which is like, I'm just going to like spend frivolously and not pay attention because the universe is just going to give me more money. It doesn't Mm -hmm. really work that way either. Yeah. Right. 
So it's a matter of like finding um, that sort, because that's not even a grounded approach at all. It's no. sort of like believing in possibilities, but also having a grounded ap- approach. So yeah, mm-hmm. I spent $9,000 in my business last month, but I spent it on things that are going to make me more money, right? Mm-hmm. And the money's already coming in. It's not yeah. like I just, and it's, I also have money in the bank, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I have savings, right? So I have backups in case yeah. like something doesn't go as planned, right? Yeah. But I can't live my life based on like, I'm just going to hoard all this money. I'm not, I'm not mm-hmm. going to buy that $4 latte because then I'm not going to be able to get a down payment on a house. There is no amount of $4 lattes mm-hmm. you can cut out of your life to get a down payment on a house. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> and know? that's why I'm a big like um, supporter and promoter of people getting side hustles because my side hustle turned into my full-time job, which I never planned and never expected. And it's changed Mine my life and, and, and it's been great. And for me though, like at the time when it was just a side hustle working a full-time job, it was the, it was the major factor that enabled me to really bump up my savings, start investing, going on trips and actually enjoying my life. Cause I wasn't earning that much at my job. And I think that a lot of people can relate to that. I wasn't either. Yeah. But still I had a lot of like guilt or just like no one was at that time too. So I guess I started my blog in like 2011. Not a lot of people were talking about making money and the people that were were still kind of like very salesy and just kind of like icky. I'm like, oh, I don't want to like be that person. But like why? Yeah, I mean, we, we've kind of talked about this a little bit, but it just seems like it's it's a subject that comes up a lot is people, you know, it's, it's all nice and dandy to save money and people love talking about that because it's very nice and light and everyone can agree saving money is good. But when it comes to making money, a lot of people are just like, they have a They're lot of negative feelings it. about There's it. There's a lot yeah. of negative connotations. A lot of it has to do with what we've been taught as a culture about making money. We're taught rich people are evil. Yeah. Some people make money. Others don't. There's competition out in the world. God forbid if you're a woman and make money because then they're going to tell you that you're going to emasculate your man Mm because you make more money, Mm -hmm. right? There's just like all this shit that's thrown on you, right? In terms of if you own the fact that you want to make money, oh, you must be a bad person because you're idealizing money. So here's Mm -hmm. a really, really pervasive example in Western culture because there's a line in the Bible that people people misquote it, number one, which is, um, but you know, Judeo-Christian is like a massive part of of the culture in the Mm. West. Right. Mm. Um, although I think this is the new Testament, but basically there's a line that people say, Oh, the, the, um, what is it? Money is the root of all evil. Yes. Right. First of all, that's not even what it says. It says for the love of money is Mm. the root of all evil. Mm. Right. And then people are like, okay, so if you love money, it's, it's evil. And I'm like, that's not what it means. Like Mm -hmm. if you read the whole passage, Mm -hmm. right. If you read the whole passage, what it actually says is like, you can't make money your God. Right. The thing is, if you're hoarding and saving, you're still making money your God because you Mm -hmm. think your security lies in that and that your security doesn't lie in God. Yeah. And you won't use money for how it is, which is it's a tool. It's a tool to be saved and then used so you can spend it on yourself or others, helping others. I think that's a big reason too. I I, I find personally in the personal finance community, not a lot of people talk about um, giving back or, or, you know, being charitable. Like no one really talks about it. I know there's not too much to talk about. It's just like, do it to be a good person. Well, no one really talks about it. And I feel like a lot of 
especially like the really frugal people, they don't talk about it because maybe they don't do it because they're too afraid to even let that go. To, to let the money to, go. Because it is yeah. almost a scary thing. I do it every year and I force myself because I still have those kind of money issues. But to like pick a, you know, a charity and do some research to make sure it's a good one and then give your money and never see it again and never get anything back from it, really. It's, it's kind of a scary thing. See, I've, I've actually always been able to do that one because I had a really good example of my parents who were like, you know, yeah. they go to mass every Sunday and they give money, even when shit was bad. Yeah. Right? They were still oh, yes. finding ways to Same give with money. my, yeah, my family. Yeah, so for I sure. had a mm-hmm. I definitely had a good example mm-hmm. in that when it comes to like causes, I don't, I don't really care. I never mm-hmm. really did. So that was good. Right. But mm-hmm. I think it's because I had the, the example or like I, um, you know, I was having a conversation with a friend the other day. I'm like, listen, if I ever let a family member or a friend borrow money, it's not borrowing money. It's a yeah. gift. 100%. Yeah, I'm the same way. It's like, I don't, I don't, we don't do the whole, you We don't me. do that. No, that's how. No, we're not doing <laughs> Disagreements. That. No, we, in my family, no, it's like, it's a gift. That's it. And then. Yeah, we're not doing on. that. Yeah. Right. 100%. Um, you know, but I think what ends up happening is that, so that, that's an example. That's a total mm-hmm. misinterpretation, right? Mm-hmm. And I know I got like super meta there, but that's <laughs> one that's very pervasive um, in the culture, yeah. right? And yeah. I'm like, well, you're interpreting it the wrong way. Number yeah. one, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> number two, that doesn't even make sense. And number three, my God ain't broke, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right? Not at all. Nor does he want me to be broke because he understands that if I make money and I have influence, I can help more people. Right. I can invest that money to hire a new business manager and help her pay her bills. Exactly. Exactly. Like the more, and I think that's another thing that people need to realize is when you earn more. And I think, again, they just have this idea that if you earn more money and you are making like a hundred K a year, you're just, you know, living it up yourself. But just like you mentioned, it's like you made 16 K, but you spent nine K for your business. I think, you know, lots of people don't actually realize it's like, no, no, no. no. To maintain that level of, you know, business revenue, you have to hire people. You have to invest in your business that costs money. No one's just putting 16 K in the bank and just walking away. Like I've never done that. Like people have business expenses and those business expenses are, I mean, for me, I kind of look at, and I'm always very strategic in, in what things I do invest in or what products I do buy for my business. But I, you know, I'm like, I'm support, you know, supporting other small businesses or other freelancers. And that makes me feel right. good. I mean, I had a conversation with a, a friend of mine and I've done a lot of coaching with her. She just moved to Miami. So we've been hanging out a lot and she realized, oh my God, in the last two years, I've spent over a hundred thousand dollars in my business and my own personal development. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I've easily spent over that. 100k mm-hmm. right um and people are like oh my god where do you get the 100k you figure it out as you go yeah right i think people also feel like there's needs to be some sort of perfect plan laid out there's no perfect plan there's no manual for this stuff yeah. like it, it's again it's having that vision but having that vision also grounded in some sort of strategy i wasn't spending 9k five years ago i didn't have mm-hmm. the 9k to yeah. spend five years ago you know, mm-hmm. and, and five years ago, right. I also didn't yet understand, you know, five years ago, I was having a hard time spending like 500 K, I mean, 500 K. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> five, I w- 500. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That'll be a problem in the future. <laughs> That'll be a problem in the future. Right. Um, but like $500. Yeah. Right. I didn't yet understand how investing in my business mm-hmm. and using money because mm-hmm. money is not only meant to be saved. It's yes. also meant to be used. I think people think there's like an either or situation yeah. going on here. Yeah. Either you save it all or you spend it all. There mm-hmm. is no either or it's a both. And yeah. Yeah. 
And then that's how you have sort of a more um, holistic perspective. I think just in the world of personal finance, you know, we're dealing with some systemic issues and, and also like no one teaches you this stuff. So a lot of people start, you know, behind the eight ball, you know, mm-hmm. or they start mm-hmm. in debt. So you kind of got to get from like point A to point B and then from B to C and C to D. It's like you're moving yeah. up on the hierarchy of needs. Exactly. It's, it's not like you just quit your job and then you start spending all your money. Like that is the worst thing you could do. It is a slow burn. Like when I tell people, or they're like, oh, you know, how long have you, you know, uh, been doing your own business? I'm like, honestly, technically almost seven years because that's when I started my blog and, uh, you know, on top of my day job. And it was a slow kind of transition to eventually you know, have my own business, but that's still that when I technically started my business, I created my first offering and, and my whole purpose and stuff like that. I think people don't realize it's a slow process. You don't spend money. You don't have like, it's just, it, it again, all comes back to personal finance. It really does. You know, and I, I really, and again, it's a mindset thing. So, mm. you know, I recently read a book that my PR guy recommended to me, which was the the abundance code and I can't remember mm. who wrote it right now but she goes through like the seven most common cultural myths about money mm. one of them being you know money's evil or the want yeah. of money is evil another one oh my god this one irritates me because I do see a lot of people struggle with this one you can't do good and make money uh-huh yeah and it's like uh there's a lot of you know, really wealthy people that are doing some really amazing good things, <laughs> like you know, completely charitable, completely like doesn't actually help them, and they don't. Bill Gates it, you know gives I mean? away half his fortune yeah. to charity, and then yeah. Sarah Blakely, who I heard speak at an event a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. that's where part of the nine k went. Right? <laughs> yeah. She was like, "Hey, I took the Bill Gates pledge, so like half my wealth goes to mm-hmm. you know um, charitable causes. I give mm-hmm. it away." You can't do that if you're not making enough money. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So 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 that's one another one. What's another one? There's so many and a part mm-hmm. of it, I mean, we could go into conspiracy theories here, but like <laughs> but we live in an imperfect world. Yeah. Right? And in an imperfect world, you're going to have people who want more power over yeah. other people. And yeah. one of the ways that you do that is by keeping them disempowered. And mm-hmm. one of the ways that we've really been disempowered as a society is with money. Yeah. Yeah. Because if people really understood money, right, and not just the saving managing part of it, but also moving beyond that, mm-hmm. right, we would be living in a very different world. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's the big reason why um, I wanted to make this my full-time gig was I didn't want to just, you know, learn for my own use, which is why I started my blog was so I can learn it personally. It's That's like, totally I to, why I started too. I was yeah, like, I think most people completely do. Completely selfish reason. Yeah. Like I just, yeah, I'm just like, I just want to, you know, learn it myself. And then I'm like, oh, there's actually a lot of other people that I talk to all the time that like literally still there that will, you know, I'll just like be on the street or go to an event and, I'll chat with them. They're like, oh, I'm terrible with money. And I'm like, okay, I need to, I want to have a business where I can help the people that think that they're bad at money because guess what? No one's born bad at money. It is something that you can learn and switch like tomorrow. Um, I need to do something about this because I don't think, I mean, still there's a lot of work to be done, especially I feel like, well, in, in the US too, just like with how the financial services community is. I mean, the people that, you know, a lot of people do want help and they go to banks and Mm -hmm. those people are selling products. They're not selling advice. So it's like, oh gosh, there's, there's a lot of people that need help and I don't think they're going to the right places. (laughs) So I need to figure out how to make that a business. 
you know, and I have this um, sort of unique perspective, I feel like, which I'm starting to, I didn't even realize it until my mid-20s, right? Which was the fact that, you know, my parents fled communism. They fled mm-hmm. the Cuban mm-hmm. Revolution. My grandparents and then my parents were children. Um, and then when you're raised in that kind of a community, basically mm-hmm. you're taught to trust no one. So, like, yeah. if you think the government's going to take care of this for you or a bank is going to take care of this for you or mm-hmm. that someone else is going to take care of this for you, you're mm-hmm. dead-ass wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's this sort of um, idea of self-reliance that is created because of the experience that they had. Yeah. And because of the experience that they have, there's also a mistrust um, of the institutions like they're not your friend. Right. Yeah. And there's a sort of acceptance of it, too. Yeah. You know, like it just it is what it is. And you got to figure it out. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so we've been chatting for a while. So before I let you go, <laughs> I want to make sure that uh, everyone knows uh, what are some of the offerings that you offer if someone's listening? Because I know I have lots of listeners who are thinking of, you know, starting their own businesses or they have a side hustle wanting to get to that next so level. I have, yeah. So for those who are just starting out, I have a free webinar, which is how to make your first 50K as an influencer, even if no one knows who you are. So you can go Love to amandabaya.com forward slash influencer. For those who are side hustling and have some ideas, then they're a perfect fit for my Persuade to Profit program. This is my six-week business training program where I take people in that situation and I'm like, all right, let's get really crystal clear on what's going on in the market. Let's figure out the offering. Let's figure out a marketing plan and a sales funnel for that. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. they'd be a much better um, yeah. fit for that. And then students who've gone through that have been able to land like $15,000 contracts in a few weeks, Yeah, you know? Um, because they just got really crystal clear on what was going on. Um, And then for those who already have an offering and they're just like, okay, like my sales really suck or I'm really uncomfortable Mm -hmm. about this, then I have, you're going to love this name because I came up with the name, (laughs) right? It's called the Money Poppin' Sales Training. (laughs) I love it. That's so cute. (laughs) Um, And then um, right now it's an intensive with me, which Jessica did. I did. Right. And then we're also doing an on-demand version which will be coming out around September, I want to say, right? And then basically what that does is teach you how to have the actual conversation because what I've noticed is a lot of people were in the same position I was in, whether it's like way too passive, like you're not even asking for the money. Yeah, you're not even asking so do you right? want to or buy this or book or this or whatever? Away, or you're giving away like way too much information for mm. free and mm. you're not seeing the money because you don't know how to have that conversation. Or the other extreme is you do a really like asshole move, which is like, which is a very old school way of doing things, uh, an aggressive way of doing things, which is like sending someone an email telling them their website sucks and that you can fix it for them. Like that Goodness. doesn't work either. No, it right. doesn't. So, like, why do I still get those emails? I just got Your one website recently. does not suck. Your website does not suck, Jessica. I know. Right. I just got the craziest cold email the other day. And it was at first, it was like, it was quite nice. And then I, like, read the rest of it. I'm like, this is so bad. Who did they hire? It was some kind of women in entrepreneurship, uh, you know, kind of company or whatever in Toronto. And it sounded like at first that they wanted to hire me to speak. Then it turned into, oh, so we would love if you could. And here's a bunch of things that we're asking. Do you want to sponsor our event? Do you want to come to our event? Do you want to buy something from us? I'm like, we just met. And this is, you're already asking me for my stuff. I don't even know who you are. 
there's that. a way of doing it, right? So that is not the way. <laughs> so persuade to profit sets you up with the system and the offering and the marketing. So you start building that rapport and that relationship, which is a part of sales. Yeah. yeah. Right. And then the money pop and sales training takes you to the next level, which is like, okay, rapport is already built, right? I've mm-hmm. got the relationships. I just can't land the deal. And yeah. obviously it's because you have not been properly taught how to have that conversation yeah. or how to hold that container. And you could also have some of your own stuff in the way, like maybe you just don't want to own the fact that you want to make lots of money. So the conversation makes you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, if anyone's listening, I, I did Amanda's thing and I really liked it. Like I really did. She, like she paid for herself in a week. So, <laughs> so <laughs> not that that matters, but I mean, it was, it was nice. Like, Oh, okay, cool. It's, it's nice to know that, um, yeah, you can invest money in yourself or your business and get, you know, get your money back and then some, um, so, yeah, and it yeah. translates over. Like yesterday, I was helping a friend negotiate a contract because she was like in the middle of a, of a, 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 let's say, negotiation with a brand, and there was like one understanding, but she gets the contract, and it's like this whole other thing. And mm-hmm. I'm like, that's stuff you should be getting paid for. Let's learn yeah. how to have this conversation, mm-hmm. right? So even if you're in more like traditional settings or you're working, you're not necessarily selling an offering to your own audience. Like yeah. so you still have to like be your own advocate and know yeah. how to do that. Um, and once you're able to do that and really stand in that power of what it is that you offer, um, not only do you significantly increase your chances of getting the money, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? But you also increase your chances of helping the other person. Yeah, Exactly. Exactly. Cool. Where where can people find more information about you and some of these offerings? So you can find everything you need to know about me at amandaabeya.com. I also have the Make Money Your Honey podcast, which is freaking everywhere. My website, uh, YouTube. Oh, I launched it, Jessica. Yeah. <laughs> Jessica's, I'm Jessica's on there. coming out in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Right? Um, YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher iHeartRadio, we're everywhere. We're everywhere. Um, so I'm easy to find. And then just like Google my name, Amanda Obeo, all my social media is going to fall, um, mm-hmm. populate. Um, and I Instagram's my personal favorite. I'm yeah, you're really good at it. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoy it. <laughs> I took a class on that last month. <laughs> oh, did you? Oh, that's I smart. I need to up my Insta game. I just don't. That was part of the 9,000 was an Instagram class. Mm-hmm. My friend runs a... Ma- so see, here's another thing. Here's yeah. how I found that class. Yeah. I have a friend who runs um, a magazine, right? Yeah. And she has like 200 something thousand followers. And, you know, and she'll do yeah. like sample sales at her apartment on Miami Beach. And like, wow. you better get there early. Yeah. Right. From all the stuff that the the fashion designers send her, like you better get there like real early, yeah, right? Yeah, In yeah. Order, because it's just like, like it crazy. goes nuts. So she created an Instagram course, right, to teach people like how to build that engagement, how to build that following. She even goes into the psychology of the photographs, mm-hmm. right? I like that and mm-hmm. the hashtag stuff. So I know her, right? I know her magazine. I know what she's been able to do, right? I know she knows her stuff, so I bought the course. Mm-hmm. And there you go. And, and was it good? Go. It was really good. Okay, right? good. I did the whole. Yeah, it was really good. <laughs> um, my engagement's up. I'm finding new people. Um, you know, already got a brand partnership. Like, mm-hmm. so you know, these things pay for themselves. And I think people just know that don't know the difference between spending and investing. Yeah. And that was definitely a lesson I had to learn for myself. 
that and the fact that I can make whatever kind of money I want if I have the skill set to be my own advocate. Yeah. Yeah. And put the time in because these things do not happen overnight. No, no. I've been at this since 2010, y'all. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Let's be real here. Um, Thank you so much, Amanda, for joining me on the show. Oh, thanks for having me on. And that was episode 171 of the Mo Money Podcast with the wonderful Amanda Abea. You can check her out on her website, amandaabea.com. Her last name is spelt A-B-E-L-L-A, just in case uh, you want to know. Um, and uh, yeah, she's amazing. You can find more information about the her and kind of the program she offers and, um, you know, check out her Instagram and all that good stuff in the show notes. Just go to jessicamorehouse.com slash 171 and uh, you will not be disappointed. Hopefully this episode uh, made you feel as jazzed as I feel now after talking to her because uh, she's just the best. So so much energy, so much positive energy. I wish I could just bottle that up and then sell it. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean. Anyways, um, so I have a few important things uh, to let you know about. So don't go away. Just a few words I want to share about uh, this episode's sponsor. This episode of the Mo Money Podcast is supported by FabFitFit. Fun. If there's one thing I love, it's saving money. I honestly can't remember the last time I bought something that wasn't on sale or had a promo code that made the price go down. And that's exactly why FabFitFun is right up my alley. Not only do you get 8 to 10 full-size products for beauty, fashion, fitness, and lifestyle, but you only pay a fraction of the price it would cost you to buy them individually yourself. I'm talking about getting $200 worth of goodies for only $49.99. And right now, FabFitFun is giving all Mo Money podcast listeners a special $10 off promo code to try it out. All you have to do is go to FabFitFun.com and use promo code MONEY to claim the discount. Once again, go to FabFitFun.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y and get $10 off your purchase. Okay, so first things first, um, tonight, tonight, uh, I'm doing my side hustle webinar. There are a few spots left at the moment as of this recording. So if you're interested in signing up, go to jessicamorehouse.com slash side hustle webinar. But even if you're too late for the, um, live webinar, I'm, uh, will then kind of switch the landing page so you can, um, sign up to watch the replay for a limited time. I'll leave it up. You can sign up and watch the replay for a limited time. So again, go to jessicamorehouse.com com slash side hustle webinar is free, but it's informative and I think you're going to like it. Because again, it's, it's in the same uh, realm of the topic we were talking about, which is earning side hustles, man. You need to make some extra money. Well, go get it. There is money to be made. You just have to put the work into it and, and figure out, hmm, what am I good at? And uh, what do people need help with? And how can I make that into a bit of a business for myself? So check that out. Again, I'll put some more info in the show notes for you. Um, also, if you're not on my email list, make sure to get on there, um, jessicamorehouse.com slash subscribe, because uh, last week I sent out an email um, saying that I am going to be uh, making an appearance in Ottawa in November. To be specific, the weekend of November 10th, 11th, 12th. Um, so I'm going to be there for a speaking gig, but I'm like, hey, maybe as I'm there already, I can do a, you know, a little bit of a, a money meetup, a little millennial money meetup, if you will. So I 
uh, if you're in the Ottawa area, um, hit me up. I get on my email list so you can get informed, but also um, just email me, jessica at jessicamorehouse.com, and let me know that you would be interested in possibly attending this meetup that I have yet to organize. I've already gotten a, a bunch of emails from people, so I'm definitely going to do it. Just something cash, just meet up, hang out, get to know each other, talk some money, uh, have a good time. So yeah, so I'm excited for that. I've never been to Ottawa, surprisingly, terrible Canadian. Um, but I'm really excited to uh, check it out, check out the Parliament building and, you know, War Museum and all that good stuff. Very excited. Um, is there anything I am missing? I feel like for the minute, no. I've given you a couple couple exciting things in the queue. I've got more exciting things in the queue. But again, the best way to find out these exciting things I've always got going on is getting on my email list because uh, things, you know, I record these in advance, guys. So, you know, there you go. Um, thanks for listening. Um, I appreciate uh, all the reviews and ratings I've been getting. If you haven't given me one yet, I would really appreciate it. If you just took two seconds out of your day, gave me a rating or review on iTunes to let me know what you think, and I'll uh, read it out loud on a future episode. But, and you know, if you have already, no big deal. I'm just going to catch you back here next Wednesday when I have a fresh new episode for you. All right. Have a good rest of your week. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.